Hello and welcome to Pop Culture on the program with Carrie Smith. If it's your first time here, this is a new channel. So please hit like and subscribe. Sometimes people end up here through the algorithm and they don't realize it's a new channel. So hit like. Um, today we're doing the unveiling of Mystery Chris. He's no longer behind his avatar. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Mystery <laughs> oh, Adam, you may not know this, but nobody knows what Chris looks like. So, because he's behind an avatar, so every time I have a guest, I'm just going to say it's him. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> this is oh, Adam man. Coleman, and many of you know him. We've had him on the channel before, but just in case it's their first time meeting you, Adam, do you want to tell them a little about you, where they can find you? Sure. Um, before I get started, I do want to wish a happy anniversary to Amy. Uh, I just wanted to get that out there. <laughs> that's a favor. Um, that's a favor. <laughs> Wait, Chris was going to do that favor and he wasn't here. So. <laughs> um, but about myself, I'm I'm a author of the book sitting behind me, Black Victor and Black Victor. Um, also the founder of Wrong Street Publishing, where I encourage people to write articles uh, and promote free speech along with intellectual thought. Uh, but it's a free expression type of uh, type of form, website, whatever you want to call it. Um, and uh, I have two staff writers. That's part of the expansion that's kind of going on, two paid staff writers. Um, Is that new? Possibly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this awesome. became new within the past month. Um, possibly a third. Congratulations. Um, thank you. So, you know, just making making some headway with encouraging people to express themselves and, and not be afraid and use their names and, and write. And you've been writing, you've also been writing for some mainstream publications. I saw you're writing for Newsweek and yeah. a lot of serious places. We're not going to be serious here tonight. It's 98% oh. <laughs> frivolity on this show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I only agreed to come on because we are going to be talking about the 90s. <laughs> yes. So I, you guys, I asked Adam, I said, what things do you like? What things do you enjoy in pop culture? What do you like? And he said, 90s movies. And I'm like, okay, let's talk about it. Because yep. I do too. And there's definitely been, I mean, Chris and I did one of our first episodes was about it wasn't, it was sort of about the nineties. Not really. It was specifically about a certain sitcom in the nineties. Um, but we've, mm -hmm. we've definitely gone back to and touched on the difference between the quality of content of comedy. Specifically, we talked about once that they were doing in the nineties versus today. And mm -hmm. I know our audience is probably familiar with this, but, but what do you think in your opinion, how would you succinctly put um, what's been happening with entertainment in the past 30 years? The best way of putting it is they lost their edge. You know, it's like it's like putting creative people in a uh, in a padded room to ensure that no one gets hurt and everything's good and everything's safe. And when I think about my favorite movies, especially because comedies, I thought '90s comedies were like some of the best comedies, even if they weren't like uh, the the most you know, the best acting or anything like that, but they were just funny or they were silly or they were somewhat edgy, you know, things of that nature. They were a little bit outside the box. Some of them just plainly dumb. Yeah. <laughs> but they were, they were funny. 
right? It just like from the gut, you just wanted to laugh. And a lot of times I feel like when I'm watching stuff, even I don't even know if you noticed, but like it doesn't seem like there's a lot of comedies that come out. Um, yeah. And when they do come out, like I think that the most recent comedies that are really coming out are from like Kevin Hart. That's basically it. Yeah. <laughs> He's like the only comedic actor that's coming out with anything. Um, but they're kind of safe. They don't really offend anybody. They don't really push any buttons. You know, there's, it's not from the gut. Um, and I think Kevin Hart's a funny person as far as like most, I would say half of his standups are, are pretty funny. Mm -hmm. Right. And the ones that are the funniest are the ones that are, they're real, they're edgy, you know, especially like his, his first two, um, his first two standups, they were, it was him trying to coming up and, and talking about like his, you know, father being a drug addict, like just, <laughs> you know, unsafe kind of things to talk about. Yeah. And when I'm watching comedy in a movie format these days, it's kind of like, it's like the mannerisms of comedy without the comedy. Hmm. Yeah, it doesn't have edgy is a good word is a good word to use because I think it's sort of when you're just being raw and especially when you're coming up like you said, you know, it was his first couple of specials. You haven't you haven't hit that comfort that comes with success yet where you kind of mm -hmm. rest on your laurels a little bit and go into what is easier and more comfortable. It's like you're trying to hone your best set your best performance and so that is going to be i think necessarily edgier it's sort of like in music you see sometimes you'll see musicians that have a really great first album and mm -hmm. it's raw it's pure people love it and then their second album will bomb sometimes because they're just too they're trying to replicate what they did the first time but they're also playing it safe but it's just something different i don't know but yeah and i and actually i'm kind of going through that myself because i'm working on the second book and I, in my head, I keep going back to like the first one. Mm. And I'm like, I, sh I should really stop doing that. But you can't help it. It's kind of like the people who've read my first book really like it. And they like it for a particular reason. So if something works, you kind of want to keep that going. Yeah. But how do you keep how do you keep going something in a creative manner? Uh, especially like I'm talking about my childhood, how many more ways can I write about my childhood? And the second book doesn't really fit in that way for me to even talk about it. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be kind of different and I'm kind of worried about that, but that's a different. different yeah. Topic. Yeah. But I see, I see how you're drawing that, that, yeah. that parallel. Uh, Broken Umbrella says you need that hunger, like for the first thing. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, so Let's go over before we do, we start talking about some of the great films of the 90s. I do want to pull up this article that I sent you. Let's see. Yeah. So this is a piece. Let's see if you can see this. Uh, huh. Sorry. Don't my dog in the background. <laughs> oh, where's your dog? Bring him on. No, she's, or is it she's her? back there. Yeah, she's back there um, eating. Uh, I'm sorry I misunderstood your dog. <laughs> okay. Okay, here we go. Share screen. I think Cole fell out, so I'm having to do this. You're having to bear with me. I do it. No problem. Can you see this? 
No, I can't. Nothing yet. Oh, something's happening. There we go. There we go. Okay. For anybody that's just listening, this is an article from Bounding Into Comics. And they kind of are going through and highlighting some of the 90s movie franchises. So top 10 woke movies that ruin their franchises. And so they're pulling stuff from the 90s that we a lot of us loved that things that have now been destroyed. So I just wanted to go through this list and see if any of these were surprising to you. Some of these were surprising to me. Um, Terminator Dark Fate. Did you see that one? I actually did not see that, but it doesn't surprise me. That uh, it went woke? It doesn't surprise me that this movie came out bad, only because... Because I, I saw, I, I can't remember if it's the third one, the mm -hmm. only one after the second, because the pinnacle is the second Terminator. Um, yes. The first one is like 1980s kind of nostalgia, kind of laughing at the robot kind of stuff. But the second Terminator was really good. Uh, actually, I didn't have that on my list, but I think that's okay. Um, but it doesn't surprise me that it went bad because... I kind of want to say, and this is not going to be politically correct. That's okay. The person that they're trying to make to seem like the strongest person uh, weighs like a third of me. <laughs> <laughs> like they're yes. always like doing this. They always put like the most like dainty, thin uh, woman to be the strongest person. Uh, and once I see that, I'm kind of like. Something doesn't feel right about this. Like um, Captain Marvel yes. is the same kind of thing. You know, she weighs like probably 120 wet and, <laughs> and you know, she has superpowers. So, she, you know, she could just destroy everybody without effort. There's no you know, story. There's a arc. term for this. Have you heard the term for this? Chris taught me no. this. It's called a Mary Sue. Uh, I don't know how. Yeah, I don't know the etymology of that term, but they use it. People who who do film critiques use it to talk about that that female character that's being added, who just it has no character flaws, is naturally talented and good at everything. There's no character mm -hmm. development because, like you said, <laughs> they weigh a hundred pounds but they kick ass. <laughs> like it's just sort of unbelievable. This, this actually says that's what happened in this new Terminator. It says the decision to off John Connor in the first five minutes and replace him with a super petite Mary Sue <laughs> <laughs> was just oh, the beginning man. of the film's woes. Radical eye-rolling feminism was everywhere, completely derailing the magic created by the first two films. Since Dark Fate was meant to be a direct sequel to Terminator 2, it was insult to injury and flopped. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't even. Yeah, I, didn't, uh, I was I like, bother. I'm not going to see that. Didn't bother. <laughs> this one, this one, you might have seen. I actually watched this one. Ghostbusters, the Lady Ghostbusters. I, I think I saw maybe 20 minutes. I think I turned it off when Chris Hemsworth came on, and I was just like, I don't believe this character. I don't like this character. <laughs> I want nothing to do with this movie anymore. Um, what was I think his that's character? When I turned it off. I don't remember. What he was, was like a, he was like a, if I remember correctly, he was like a nerd. He was like this nerdy uh, guy, and he was just like, "Yes, ladies," you know. He's just a yes man. Wasn't he a sexy nerdy helper guy? 
Like yeah, they were kind of yeah. trying to do what they do with women usually. Like, oh, they were sort of making a point. Like, look, our assistant is a sexy, clueless man. Yeah, I guess that's what they were going for. Um, I mean, truth be told, I just wasn't that interested in watching it in the first place. Uh, and that was like one of the things I was like, uh, I'll watch it another time, but I just got back to it. So eh, it, it, it didn't grab me and it doesn't surprise me that it failed. So <laughs> it failed and it failed so awfully. I was talking about this on another show this morning. Uh, it, I think the problem with Lady Ghostbusters is that, first of all, they should have called it Lady Ghostbusters because that's kind of funny, you know, but they, they didn't call it that, but they made it that they made it every, the way they marketed it, everything was like, this is Ghostbusters, but with women. So it's going to be better. It's like, you could have still done a Ghostbusters with female characters. And if you hadn't have made such a big deal about it and tried to sell it on that, it might've done better, but you're asking people to come just to support women, which is, I think that's going to flop. Can I, I just want to say that I know we got the list, but I just want to mm -hmm. say this. I I feel like whoever's making these movies thinks that there were never any movies where there were female leads ever before until just now. Like, <laughs> like we right. had movies where the there was a woman who was a strong female character that everybody watched and had no problem with. So it's not about a woman being a lead character, it's about how they're doing it. And they're doing it in the most obvious and, uh, and like obnoxious way possible to yes. try and prove some point. Like, for example, like Tomb Raider, Angelina Jolie. Yes. No, no one batted an eye about that. This is the character, Tomb Raider. Okay. She did a good job in it. It wasn't a complete flop. People went and watched it. So nobody like, cared. Nobody cared. And and it's how you it's how you do all these uh, how you approach it, and that's why I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, we've we had so many female characters before. I don't know why everybody's pretending that this is new, this has never happened before. This is cutting edge stuff. Women in a leading role. I was like, <laughs> yeah, it's like we've been doing this. Do you remember? Uh... I mean, this is before our time a little bit, but I used to watch old movies when I was younger. Did you ever watch mm -hmm. Coffee with Pam Greer? She was also in um, Foxy um, Brown. And, no, I, and I, I'm familiar, the, but I never watched it. So she was in a bunch of these, you know, what they would call the black exploitation films, but she was this badass in all of them. And this was in the 70s. It was like way mm -hmm. before even what we think of as the powerful women of the 90s. And I'm sure there'll be some of those in, in our list of our favorites um, you know, like Alien, for example, Ripley. But but this has been happening for a long time. And you're right, they just ignore it. They have to try and pretend like they're they're conquering something by making Lady Ghost. Finally, we will see women on the screen. <laughs> Come on. Oh my god. <laughs> Selling it based on a lie. Well, so this says, yeah, <laughs> this basically says uh it was a god-awful reboot. And, uh, oh yeah, Chris Hemsworth as a non-intelligent version of Annie Potts' Janine character was the first mistake. <laughs> <laughs> right there. It wasn't just me. <laughs> it wasn't just you. That's why you stopped watching it. 
For a film this woke, the joke should have been funny, but fans would have found more humor by drinking razor blades. We'll just leave it at that. That's what this is. Yeah. Okay, so here's another one. Wonder Woman, the 2020 remake. Now, I heard this one was terrible. And unlike Ghost Lady Ghostbusters, I didn't feel a need to confirm that myself. So I didn't watch this one. What about you? I did not watch this one either. And I will say this. I know it's not necessarily, I don't think it's on the list. But the first Wonder Woman, I've heard people say like, oh, the first woman, they have critiques about it. When I watch superhero movies, all I'm thinking about is the story good? Is it entertaining? For the most part, I thought the story was good. I thought the, you know, the special effects were good. I thought it was entertaining. For the most part, I was like, it wasn't bad. So I, I didn't, I didn't get that sense. Maybe people were looking deeper than I was, uh, but I didn't get that sense from the first one. And so when I heard the second one was coming out, I was actually kind of interested in watching it. But before I even got a chance. I heard just like unanimously, <laughs> like yes. don't even bother watching it. It's horrible. So I, I value my time. So when it, when it's that overwhelming, I'm like, I, I guess I'm not even gonna bother. This is a good litmus test because you and I both like film, and mm -hmm. so far there are two on this list we haven't even bothered to see. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah, and you only made it through the short portion of the one you did see. Yeah. Oh, okay. Let's move on to more crap. Then we're going to get to the good stuff. Yes. So we start with the crap so we can end on the on the positive stuff. Uh, let's see what they say about this, though. It says, uh, the DCEU essentially a series of mini franchises cobbled together into a single Justice League narrative, and one of them is Wonder Woman. Most moviegoers loved the first film, primarily due to the fact that Gal Gadot's heroine was not only strong, but also kind-hearted, romantic, and maternal. All things the left despise in a woman. It's no wonder then <laughs> that Wonder Woman 1984 decided to go in the opposite direction. Wonder Woman goes from a likable superhero to a woke caricature within the span of the introduction. She even rapes an innocent man literally in the middle act, which seemed to fly just fine with Hollywood. That happens? Are people in the chat? What? Did you guys see this movie? She rapes a man? <laughs> what? What? What are you guys That's saying? Me. Are they uh, saying some rape is okay? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Look at this. Scott Miller says in, in Wonder Woman 84, she drapes a guy. I think he means rapes. <laughs> what? Wow. I had not heard that. Uh, okay. I bet they do it in such oh. a way where they make it seem like it's not, you know, I don't know. Now I'm curious. Uh, Star Wars. Uh, Were you ever into Star Wars? Not, I have not seen a single Star Wars movie. What? <laughs> <laughs> this is my my deep confession. I was never into Star Wars. Wow, it, it it's just, a good thing Chris yeah. isn't here. He <laughs> <laughs> he's a more of a Trekkie than a Star Wars fan, but I think he would be like. What? Like, this is sort of, I don't know anyone who hasn't seen Star Wars. I mean, the original ones, you know. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Well, we'll just skip this one then. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, the new ones suck. That's what you need to know. Yeah. <laughs> They're ruining I, a I franchise. will say this. My son likes Star Wars. My son likes Star Wars, but he, he didn't like that movie either. So, <laughs> I'll lean on my son. <laughs> Good 
litmus test. Hey, Scott Miller yeah. is giving us an update on that Wonder Woman question. He says, uh, yeah, she had sex with a guy in Wonder Woman 84 who was unable to consent. Wow. Well, all right then. I guess it's okay when women do it. Uh, Charlie's Angel. A place for, uh, for a movie, but uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, but it's weird. It, did you see the, the Oscars? The, um, recently they had this bit on stage where they had a female host bring out these male actors and like grope them and turn them around. It was this whole bit where she was sort of sexually harassing them visibly on stage. And I was just thinking, you know, Mike, Mike Harlow, who, you know, he was pointing this out in the video. They would never do that the other way around. Not to, they would never have a male host bring out three female actresses and pat them down and get up between their legs and stuff like that. Never. Well, we're, we're trying to prove a point, you know, it'll be that, that trying to like uh, legitimize their behavior. But hmm. I, I, I say it all the time. Women are perverts too. So. <laughs> Women are what? Women are perverts too. Don't perverts. Just a female pervert. Yep. That's true. I thought you said perfect. I was going to say, oh, <laughs> no. Okay, Charlie's Angels, 2019. So this was directed by Elizabeth Banks. It says, there was a mm -hmm. time when Elizabeth Banks was a relatively likable actress, but she's since denigrated herself into toxic unpalatability. <laughs> I like this writer. <laughs> I know. It's like straightforward. It's no surprise that her directorial duties on 2019's Charlie's Angels reboot ended in complete abject disaster. You would be hard-pressed to find one person within a 10-block neighborhood that remembers it. Did you see that one? Uh, I did not see it, but I remember watching reviews about it, like in-depth reviews about why, not only why it was bad, but why it was so bad. Um and just watching like clips from it. And I saw, even just from watching clips, I was like, I get what they're talking about. Like basically every man was bad. Every woman was good. Um, that was like the general theme. All the women were strong, super intelligent, you name it. Like not only could she fight crime or beat up guys, but she's also a PhD scientist. <laughs> but it was just like, yeah, no one and, and sexy and, and sexy. Yeah, yeah, everything. She's everything. This article says a Charlie's Angels film that has the audacity to, to scold the audience for referring to the leads as angels obviously has an agenda to keep that combined with a horrid marketing campaign, which sounded like it was drafted by Hillary Clinton herself. <laughs> proved that this take on the classic series wasn't going to win any support. So wait a second. They, they, she made a movie called Charlie's Angels based off the women being the angels of Charlie and then bastard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> called the angels. Yes. It sounds like it. <laughs> oh it's, my God. It's probably uh, problematic and objectification to refer to women as angels in the Charlie's Angels movie. <laughs> and then Charlie's like, you know what? You know what, ladies? I'm sorry. Um, women, uh, uh, I apologize for 
my previous statement. Like Charlie's <laughs> over there just groveling over the speakerphone. Yeah. <laughs> Charlie's uterus owners. <laughs> yeah. Charlie's Charlie birthing people. <laughs> Charlie's lesbian. <lesbians. laughs> Charlie always sounded like he was Hugh Hefner. <laughs> That's always I just pictured yeah. like like Charlie's just he's got a cigar in his mouth and he's like, That's right, ladies. <laughs> yes. I thought of him in, this, in a similar way. Maybe it's because of that word angels, you know. Yeah. Baby cakes. Uh, <laughs> baby's cake. Adam <laughs> Adam Whirl, no. He's just yeah. like three no. <laughs> that wouldn't go over well. <laughs> Um, okay, let's see what else is on the crap list. We're almost getting to the good stuff. No time to die. Twenty twenty. Oh, really? Oh, don't ruin uh, it because I was actually going to watch this. Oh, okay. We'll skip over this one. This says it's bad, but don't it's don't read don't believe everything you read on the internet. Men okay, in Black International. I, as as soon as I saw the trailer, I was like, "This is garbage." I didn't even have to watch it. It's it's trailer bad. <laughs> when the trailer is bad, you know the movie is terrible. What what about the trailer bothered you? Do you remember? Because it it was it was one of those things where I'm like, why should I watch this? And and also it's what the fourth Men in Black, I think, were there three of them mm -hmm. before? Um and so I'm I'm always skeptical when it comes to like uh not only reboots or but like sequels, but like sequels from years later. Yes. Like it's when one thing wait. to do it like, yeah, they wait too long or they, especially when they do it like 10 years later or, or 10 years plus, it's like they're running out of ideas and someone just like digs in the crate and says, <laughs> I don't know. How about this? And I don't know. We'll pick who's a hot guy. I don't know. Chris Hemsworth. All right, let's get him. Like, it just seems like a scramble to try to put something together. Um, and and the storyline didn't sound very interesting just from the, the trailer. To be honest with you, the first Men in Black was okay. I never thought it was good enough for them to keep making sequels of because I just thought it was it wasn't that good of a, a movie to keep keep going with um yeah. but so yeah i didn't i didn't really hold high hopes for this one either you know when i think of men in black i can't help but think of this uh, this anecdote about just about women in hollywood and and size and all this stuff but back when the first men in black came out or maybe it was the second one uh what was the one with um the girl from twin peaks laura not Laura Palmer, not the not the not the character from Twin Peaks, but the actress who played Donna. Does anybody remember that actress? She was in one of the Men in Black, and she's very skinny. Anyway, I'll look up her name. Yeah. But my husband did. He worked on the website for the movie, and they did this oh. like rudimentary video game at the time. This is Lara Flynn Boyle. Thank you, Twee Girl, Lara Flynn Boyle. Oh. Yeah. So they did this video game, and they brought in the actors. And they did body modeling so they could get the bodies exactly right for this little online game that was on the website. And mm -hmm. she didn't like her body model, even though it was her body. It was taken from her exact <laughs> proportions. 
she said it was way too fat and they had to keep according to her contract they keep reducing it and reducing it reducing it until it was completely unrealistic and she was just obsessed with changing it this is this is an anecdote but it was from my husband at the time and and i, I just was thinking about that and how much they i don't know how much at the time being a social justice warrior, when I heard all that, I was thinking about unrealistic standards for women and all of the sexism in Hollywood and how sad this is that women have to do this and have to conform. And now I look mm -hmm. at it and I still think it's sad, but I also think there's an element of personal responsibility there. Even if you're in a culture that values that, you know, yeah, you, you kind of, you can choose whether or not to get sucked into and care so deeply about those things and, and to be that adamant about making sure your image is is put out even skinnier than than your naturally skinny image. Adam says she's uber thin. Yeah, yeah she's already uber thin. Yeah. yeah. That I, sounds like deeper issues to me. Yeah, it is. It is kind of, I don't know. I think there's a lot of women who end up developing things like that <clears throat> in Hollywood because they have all of the attention on them, because they're the new... Uh, it girls are supposed to look a certain way and, and be a certain weight. Of course, now we're going this other direction. Hollywood seems to only do things in extremes. It's like, okay, we're going to be a boys club. Okay. Now we're going to be a girls club or we're going to be all about emaciated women. Now we're going to be about obese women. It's sort of like, can't you just find a natural middle ground and quit pushing these extremes on us? Yeah. But, okay. Sorry for derailing with that, but I can't no, help okay. but think of that. Mortal Kombat 2020. Did you see this I one? Think, I, didn't, I didn't think it was that bad. Oh, really? You like this one? Okay. Yeah. I didn't think I didn't think it was the greatest thing in the world, but I didn't think it was that bad. Let's see what they say. See if you agree with this. Uh, then there was Cole, a character written specifically for the movie who nobody wanted and felt like a stand-in. The reasoning behind the decision was to find an excuse to knock fan favorite character Johnny Cage out of the film because he was white. Is that true? <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I get it now. That's a small Johnny Cage was awesome. If you didn't know the background, it probably wouldn't bought, ruin the movie for you. Yeah, I didn't know about that. Birds of Prey, I'm going to skip that one. I don't even know the original of that one. Captain Marvel, you've mentioned, which was ruined. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's see. I think they're going to say, yeah, Mary Sue. They say, perhaps the only character in the MCU to live in a microcosm, Captain Marvel performed less than expected in her 2019 debut, essentially a Mary Sue character played by the insufferable and pretentious Brie Larson. <laughs> Captain Marvel. <laughs> was a victim of its own talking points and its main star's embarrassing behavior. Captain Marvel's own woke agenda wasn't even clever enough to disguise itself. It's as fake as Larson and the 90s era timeline it takes place in. Everything feels manufactured and forced in contrast to previous MCU titles that felt effortless and invigorating. The result is that Disney now has no faith in the Captain Marvel character, even going so far as to preemptively name their upcoming sequels The Marvels. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's enough of the crap stuff. I'm gonna stop sharing that. Yeah. Now. Yeah. We know we know they're ruining 90s films. So um, but I brought you here to talk about what you like about the 90s movies. 
and to share some of your favorites. And if there's time, I'll share some of my favorites with you. So without further ado, you told me right off the bat what your favorite was. Do you want to do that one first or last? First. It's always first. Okay. Forrest Gump. Why is that your favorite movie? So part of the reason why it's my favorite movie is because when it came out, I was pretty young. And I remember watching it for the first time. Um, and it, mind you, I was kind of young. And it was just like, it almost felt like a documentary. Like it, in some respects, because it was like this guy who is not very bright and he has very limited skill sets, yet he's somehow always in the right place at the right time. <laughs> and he's doing all these remarkable things and he's meeting remarkable people. He's what in the movie he met like two presidents or something like that. Yeah. Um, meeting famous people. And he's like blissfully unaware of how impactful his life is or how, how, how rare of all these situations that he's running into. But I, I just thought it was, I thought it was a great movie. I'll, I'll give you the, the, the younger aspect. I thought it was a great movie for talking about history. Um, you know, from like what happened in the 60s and Vietnam. I can see that. 70s. Yeah. As a kid, you feel like they're taking you, you're being transported to yeah. these places. I remember feeling that way. So you get the yeah. vibe of the 60s, the 70s, the 80s. That's yeah. true. How um, old were you when that movie came out? What, what year did that movie come out? I was born in 84. What movie is that? What year did that movie come out? Um, I think it was you early were, 90s. Yeah, you were probably 10 around that. So. Yeah. And so yeah, is it still, young. does it hold up for you as a 90s movie? Does it hold up for you now? Do you still love it as much as you did then? The reason it's, well, not the reason, but like one of the reasons why it's my favorite movie, and I know it's my favorite movie, because if it's on, I'm stopping and I'm watching it. And I don't, I don't watch movies more than once, 99% of the time. I watch it one time, I got it, I'm good, and I move on. But... If you see me watching a movie two, three, 10, 20 times, like that's what Forrest Gump is to me. And even though I know it's about to happen, I know all this stuff, it's still such a good movie for me. Um, so yeah, it's my number would you, one. Would you also say it's um, a feel-good movie? Like it leaves you feeling good. Is that why you watch it? Um, in some ways, in some ways it's funny. In some ways it's interesting. Um, you know, because like he's like accidentally funny sometimes, like just completely unaware that he's, you know, like run for us, run. He was like, I'll just run that way. Like, yeah, my favorite line, actually, my favorite line that always makes me laugh is when he beats up that one guy at the Black Panthers meeting and he says, I'm sorry for breaking up your Black Panther party. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking die every time because he's like, He's thinking it's a party party, but like it makes me laugh every time. Um, now, I will say as an adult, when I look back at it from a relationship standpoint, well, there's like two things from a childhood development standpoint. Jenny was fucked up. Jenny went through some shit when yeah. she was a kid, you know, being molested and all that stuff. It doesn't surprise me of the arc that she went in her life of being attracted to abuse and going yes. in that direction. 
right? On the that's other a very hand, serious side of that film. Yeah, that's a very serious side. And they and it's interesting because they do it in a way where they're not like they imply it, right? They don't show her being violated. They you know they show her father screaming for her and he's drunk and they hide in the wood. Like you understand why. And because you're hearing it from Forrest, who's coming from a naive place. Mm -hmm. It was like, and then one day she just had to go to her grandma's house. Like you understand why Forrest doesn't completely understand why. And you're just hearing it from his description. So I thought that was, it was a great way of how they were able to talk about like such a serious topic. Um, but in almost like a naive way, like you understand yeah. as the as the viewer. Now, what I will say is this: from a from a male perspective in relationships, uh, Jenny had red flags all over her. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, like, Forrest should have ran away he from Jenny. Thought. That was the one mistake that he made throughout that movie. He was messing with the wrong girl. First off, Jenny was never interested in him in that way. That's rule number one. Despite, like, if you didn't know anything about her in her past, what Jenny was giving off, she had no interest in you. She was like, he's the nicest person that I know. He's a guy. And I really appreciate him being nice to me. But I have no romantic feelings for him. Mm -hmm. And then the one time she gives it to him is basically because she <laughs> she got she went through all this other stuff and she came home and she felt safe and she felt vulnerable and then what she do she left yeah. and i was just like oh my god yeah so from a from a relationship standpoint um uh Forrest should have definitely left her alone it makes ago. you feel for him i remember that and i remember when the saddest parts of that movie was her Leaving. As a little girl, actually, no, oh, younger yeah. though, when that that implied abuse that you're talking about, when she was yeah. um, saying a prayer, Lord, Lord, make me a bird so I can fly far, far, far away from here. It was so yeah. just devastating. But then again, like that's a, I forget how emotional that movie is. Like even as you're describing that scene where she mm -hmm. spends a night with him and then leaves him and he's like learning all these painful lessons. But anyway. I'm I'm really surprised that I'm pleasantly surprised that is your favorite '90s movie. It's also, not on my of, list, but I did like one it. One <laughs> other thing, I loved how uh, Forrest always had his hands on his hips like this. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those little things. I was just like, why is he standing like that? I've never seen a grown man stand like this all the time. <laughs> you like the but. physical comedy? Oh, I just want to say, I just want to say hi to hey. Ryan Cannell. Hello, Ryan. Up, Ryan. Ryan from RK Outpost is here. Hello, sir. Thanks for dropping by. Tell us your favorite '90s film. <laughs> um, my, I'm sorry, okay. my my bitch is bothering me here. Oh, puppy. <laughs> That's okay. Tiger's no. always no. bothering me. He's actually being pretty good tonight. Um, okay, I'm going to trade you one. My favorite one, hands down. It's still my favorite, and I think, like you, it's because I have a lot of nostalgia tied around it went from when I first watched it. And even mm -hmm. now I still love it. Thelma and Louise. I can't help it. I love Thelma and Louise. I've seen that movie so many times. I can quote like the whole thing pretty much from start to finish, or I used to be able to. And there's so many funny scenes in it. Of course, like Forrest Gump, there's some very touching and emotional scenes, mm -hmm. uh, you know, abuse. There's hilarious scenes with her, 
her husband, her piece of shit husband <laughs> is one of my favorites because they just mercilessly mock him. And it's this story about, I mean, I guess maybe this goes to my, my, the, my, the old feminist in me was just, I love this movie about these two friends who come together at a bad circumstance. And even though there, you know, there's some unrealistic things in the film, but um, they're just sticking it to the man the whole time. And not mm -hmm. in this, I don't believe it was in a handy, heavy-handed woke way. Like if they moved that made that movie today, I think it would suck. But yeah. but it was made in the '90s, and they, you know, they stuck it to the cop. They could put the cop in the trunk, and then and then blew pot smoke. Then the, that biker came by and blew pot smoke in the trunk. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> they stuck it to the uh, truck driver who had the sexist uh, mud flaps. They blew up his truck. They you know stuck it to her husband and. And just, and then at the end, of course, has this sad ending. I used to really love sad endings. So it was like, anyway, that's still, it's still got to be. So <laughs> Bungalow Logic says, you're such a girl, Carrie. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> and it's okay to be a girl. <laughs> Ellen, someone Louise was feminist, but not woke. It was okay. Yes, exactly. Yeah. There's a difference. So. Yeah. Did you like I, I think I've seen I think I've seen it once or twice to be honest with you a long time ago. So like moments are spotty in my head as far as the movie goes. So I guess I'm not very girly. <laughs> there's there's a if you get a chance to watch it with your wife, I'd say sit down and enjoy it and watch it uh in the frame of mind of a comedy because there's some really funny stuff in that movie. So Okay. Anyway, it's always interesting going back and watching stuff as an adult because mm -hmm. sometimes you're like, yep, yeah, it was a good movie. Sometimes you're like, why did I like this movie at all? So it's always interesting going back to see if it holds up or not. Yeah. yeah. I still think that one holds up. Okay. What else yeah. is on your list? So actually, if you want, what I could do is I could run through the top 10 and yeah. I have three honorable mentions. Oh, you made quite a, you had to pick and choose. Okay, give me your whole list yeah. and we can talk about a few. And this is not in any order because I don't know how to put this in order. But my number one will always be Forrest Gump. So I just wanted to put that out there. So the movie, and I'm really big on 90s comedy. So you'll you'll hear in the, in the list. PCU. Have you ever seen that? I don't think I saw it. Jeremy Pivens. Uh, um... Uh, what's his name? The guy who's in the in the Marvel movies. Damn it! Why am I forgetting his name right now? Uh, David Spade was in it. Um, but basically, actually, everybody should watch PCU because it's basically mocking uh, the people we would call woke today, mm -hmm. but back in the '90s, right? It was basically the it was a college campus. This kid was thinking about going to school there. And he's hanging out basically with the campus degenerates who just didn't care about any of this other stuff. But everybody else, yeah, PC was great, Keith. Thank you. Uh, mm -hmm. So you had like the the black supremacist, John Favreau, that's the name I was thinking of. Uh, you had the black supremacists who were like the white man, blah, 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 blah. Then you had the womanists, the feminists. Uh, they were there. But then like the third one was the funniest because they they would switch whatever they cared about every week. So one week it would be about global warming. Then the next week it would be about meat is murder. <laughs> and it would just keep going on. And basically it, it stemmed around, 
everybody always uh, protesting. And it was always a ruckus because everybody's always outraged. And so that's kind of like how the movie starts. But it's making fun of these people because they're not fun whatsoever. They make the yeah. campus worse. Um, and and when you watch it today and then compare it to what's going on in campuses today, you're like, holy shit, this was this was like a precursor to it. It sounds, yeah, like it, it was uh, prescient. Like it was sort of, this is what's coming. Yeah. yeah. I will watch that so, one. Thank you. Yeah, I don't think I've seen it. I know there's actors, yeah. but okay, what else? Uh, Dumb and Dumber. I okay, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's not on my list, but that's a very funny movie. <laughs> Tommy Boy. Okay, I've seen it. I don't remember. I had to get Chris Farley in there. The Matrix. You have a lot of comedy on your list. The Matrix. Yep. Um, Malcolm X. Oh. Malcolm that's X was a great movie. You know what? Um, Cameron mm -hmm. Pasha is always telling me I need to watch that again. Um, it's uh, Denzel, right? Yep. I haven't seen it since it first came out. What What do you like about that one? How they told his story. Um, it's a kind of a long movie, but they show you. I think they do a good job, at least from my understanding, showing you his transformation, but his complete transformation. Um, and Denzel plays his character really, really well. Um, I think, I don't know if he won any awards that year for that movie, but if, if he didn't, you should have, like it, it was a great acting job. The movie was, was done in a, in an excellent way. Um, like there's, it's a flawless movie. That's the best way to kind of put it. It's been a while since I've watched it. I should probably watch it again sometime soon, but it's a flawless movie. Mm -hmm. um, this is and a movie. Oh, go ahead. Well, just, Alan says Denzel's a great actor, and I get the feeling not very woke. No, he's not. Yeah. No, he's not. Um, now, the next movie, I will admit, I have cried on. Okay, what is it? And I would almost bet you probably cried too. Edward Scissorhands. Oh, yes. Oh, you have such a surprising list. Yes, yeah. that's a great film. I've seen that movie a bunch of times. And there, there's a couple moments where I'm like, especially towards the end, where I'm just like, I'm not crying. I just got stuff in my eyes. <laughs> um, uh, the next on the list, it's not the most, it's not the best acting or anything. like. Although it was good acting, to be honest with you. But it's such a good story. And I think it's so underrated. And anytime it's on, I watch it. U.S. Marshals. I don't even know that movie. What is it? Who's in it? So it's it's actually, it's supposed to be the sequel to The Fugitive. Do you remember The Fugitive? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. Actually, that was a good movie. Okay. Yeah. It's supposed to be the sequel to it. This time it, it was with, um, uh, why am I drawing a blank on his name? Um, Not Tommy oh. Jones. Tommy Lee Jones was in it, but the 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 guy they're going after, why am I drawing a blank? He played Blade. Uh, what's his name? Wesley Snipes? Wesley Snipes, thank you. Oh, God. I think it's too late. I'm losing. I like this game. Just keep giving yeah. me things to guess. No. <laughs> um, yeah, Denzel, uh, Denzel. Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes is in it. And it was just, there was good action scenes. Um, 
it was a really good plot line. Uh, yeah, it, it was just a really good movie. I actually, uh, a little bit, my relationship with my wife, when we were, when we were boyfriend, girlfriend, I was like, have you ever seen U U.S. Marshals? She was like, no, I've never seen it. I was like, you'll like it. We watched it. She was like, Adam, you're right. This movie is really good. I was like, damn right it is. You know, so that was, that was one of the reasons why I married her, but. Um. <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite is when you get to enjoy something you really love w with someone who hasn't seen it before because you're kind of like w seeing it through their eyes you know yeah. like taking a kid to disneyland for the first time and they've never been and you, you yeah. sort of get to re-experience that for the first time in the symbiotic way like you watch it that's awesome that she liked it yeah and she's very vocal when she watches stuff she's like go run like she's that person <laughs> <laughs> So I always watch her watching a movie. It's it's always fun. Um, the Professional. Oh, I love The Professional. What a great movie to put on your list. Was that the 90s? That was the 90s. I guess it was. Natalie okay. Portman, very young Natalie Portman. I think she was like 12 in that movie or something. 12 mm -hmm. or 13. She was really young. Um, next on my list, comedy, Liar, Liar. Really? Jim Carrey? Yeah. Jim Carrey. I don't remember much about it. I just assumed it. I don't even know if I saw it. Was it? It was good? It was really funny. I thought it was really funny. He basically couldn't tell a lie. And it, watching okay. him struggle, um, watching, yeah, basically watching him struggle throughout the most of the movie to not lie. And he had to be uh, bluntly honest, especially as his job as a lawyer. Um, was very funny to watch. And I, I was thinking to myself, I was like, Liar, Liar, or Ace Ventura? And I think most people would probably pick Ace Ventura. Like, that's kind of like the thing. But Liar, Liar stuck out more to me. Really? Okay. I'm, I love this simply for the fact that you're giving me some 90s films I haven't seen in a long time that I'm going to go watch now. Because I'm yeah. it, nothing that's coming out, I'm like not really interested in most of it. And and so whenever I'm talking to friends, like, what old movies are you watching? Um, yeah. Now, I, okay. that's my top 10. I have okay. three honorable mentions. And the first one, people are going to be like, how could you not put this one in it? But the only reason I didn't put it in it is because it wasn't a movie that I watched a lot in the 90s or around that time period, right? It's a movie that I've actually watched recently a couple times. Um and it's a really, really good movie. It's a great movie, actually. But I've watched these other movies in the 90s when they came out, and they have much more of a nostalgia for me. But first honorable mention, Fight Club. Oh, yes. Fight Club was one of those that really sort of, I think, would probably make a lot of lists in terms of movies that, that um, captured the 90s and, and really made a lasting impact. One of those films yeah. like The Matrix that people refer to a lot. You yeah. Know? Yep. His name is Robert Paulson. Mm. It's one of those things. Um, second album mention, My Cousin Vinny. That's <laughs> 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 great. I love that uh, you have so many favorites. You made an honorable mention list. <laughs> yeah. My Cousin Vinny. Um, I'm trying to remember a line that that Joe Pesci said, I can do, I can do a Joe Pesci. It's, it's kind of disturbing. Um, 
And my third honorable mention is Office Space. Office Space, quality comedy. That's yeah. one that gets mentioned a lot. I agree. That This is great. You didn't have, I didn't have a lot that overlapped with you, but I do, with the exception of the ones I haven't seen, like I haven't seen PCU or US Marshals. I don't even think I've seen Liar Liar, but other than those, I like everything on this mm -hmm. list. Okay. Um, and I'm going to check out the other three now. So, Therese, this, why are we talking about Fight Club? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, we got a thank you guys. We got a super chat from Doc Savage. He says, if you haven't watched 1999's Memento, you should. That I started yeah. to watch it, but it seemed like way deeper than I was ready for. Um, I should probably go back and try to watch it. It's a good movie, and I, I that's one I would like to revisit because I haven't seen it since it came out, but that was great. I remember it's one of those movies where it does the mind, the mind yeah. effery. Yeah. Um, my list, hold on, Tigers, come here. Sorry. <laughs> He's trying to be a part of the show. Tiger, if you're going to do that, you have to come up here. Come here. <laughs> come here. Oh, my. Did you hear him scream? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's faking, baby. Um, let's see. Okay, my list. Sorry about the awkwardness of getting him. My list has Thelma Louise, of course, is the top one. And I don't have these in mm -hmm. any order either. Uh, but here's some cheesy ones. I'll start with some cheesy ones that people may be like, what? I love Titanic. Did you did you watch mm. Titanic? I think I saw it once. I don't even think I saw it in its completion. Like it was on TV and it was kind of watched. I remember seeing it in the movie theater and maybe that's why it, it made such a big impression on me. Um, just that memory of being in the theater and it was so rare that we got to go see movies in the theater, but uh, and it, it was such an epic film. You know, it was one of those big, big pictures like that. Yeah. And, and so I know there's so many jokes made about that movie and there are so many funny things about it, but I thought it was really well done. I like both of those actors and I'm a girl. So what can I say? Tara T says, I hated Titanic. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Adam's like, oi. <laughs> okay, I said that was my embarrassing one. Uh, along those same lines, I, I tended to like, I went through the stage, Adam, in the 90s, and I think these movies do hold up. Um, I really liked the sort of, um, what would you call it? Man in the woods who goes off and, and is, rescues people and fights that that genre so like dances with wolves braveheart and last of the mohicans i would put them all in that category of like you know preteen carrie was sort of crushing on these masculine figures out out uh having adventures and so did you like any of those braveheart or uh braveheart yes i don't i don't think i saw the others to be honest with you last of the mohicans is great i saw somebody in the chat mentioned it yeah yeah. So, Braveheart, from what I remember, was good. Uh, speaking of Mel Gibson, Patriot, that was a good movie. Yes, I saw that one again recently. That's in that same genre, I would say. Yeah, and yeah I, I would say I so too. I don't know if they're making movies like that anymore. I, I, no. I, 
<laughs> you know, where it's the man who say who saves the day or saves the village or saves the family. And I don't I, I think it's sort of they're poo-pooing that now as a storyline. Now the um, only time a man saves a day, he has to be wearing a costume. Yes, superhero movies. <laughs> a okay. And then there'll be a woman in a costume ahead of him. Uh yeah. <laughs> so those were all in that category. I also loved uh, Big Lebowski. You know what? That's one of those movies I never fully watched. Adam. Okay. And I know this should be something I've watched because I'm a I'm a comedy fan, but I just never I never sat down and watched it to its from start to finish. I never got it. I never did it. There are so many funny parts of that movie, and we're actually there are enough people in the chat who haven't seen it. We've talked about this movie before. That we're going to do our first movie night we haven't picked the date yet but it's probably coming up in early may we're going to do our first movie night and just watch this movie it's not going to be streamed live it'll just be a, a, a private thing on locals but if you would like to come mm -hmm. watch it with us you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> it's so good uh then what else heavenly creatures did you ever see that movie that doesn't sound familiar at all so this is it was a peter jackson film and it it's more of a serious movie it, it was a drama it, it was a fictionalized account of these these two girls in New Zealand who killed the parents of one of the girls so that they could be together in this fantasy world they had created. And uh, they were convicted. Uh, they were, I think they were 15 at the time. Kate Winslet is in it. She plays one of the two girls. And it's just a really, it's, it's, it's dark subject matter, but it's, it's just handled really well. It's I would say it's even sort of a beautiful film at parts and very creepy. If you're interested in true crime, I would definitely suggest it. The uh, interesting tidbit about the girl that Kate Winslet plays, I forget her name, but when she got out of prison, she ended up changing her name. She has another identity now and she's a best-selling uh, 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 thriller author. She writes about murders. Isn't that crazy? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Keith, hello, Keith. Uh, sorry, not Keith, Kent. The Canuck. So Kent. Kent says, I uh, watched first time last week. Do it, Adam. It's fun. I think he's talking about the Big Lebowski. Uh, okay. And then my last one, I had Matrix on my list as well. Oh, Groundhog Day. Did you like that one? Oh, I love Groundhog Day. I thought about that one too. There you go. I thought about that one. That one, mm. that's like one of those comedies, maybe like some of the ones on your list, like My Cousin Vinny or something, where I can just put that one on in the background and it makes me feel good. It's just a feel-good yeah. comedy. Can I give a, a, a Bill Murray honorable mention? What about yeah. Bob? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that his character drove Richard Dreyfus slowly crazy throughout the entire movie to the point where he was basically insane at the end of the movie simply by just being annoying. <laughs> there's so many great parts in that movie as well and how he there's that serious side of it too and it's such a silly movie but you know how he he manages to connect with and bond with this guy's kids and 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 the dad is unable to do that you know he's got this whole thing missing from his life 
that was sort of a thing with 90s movies is that even if you're watching a comedy like that, a lot of times they would they would still have some deeper meaning or message. And that's yeah. not why you're watching it, but they, but it has that meaning to it as well. Uh, yeah. I just remember my, my favorite thing from the movie is just him saying, baby steps, baby steps. <laughs> baby steps off the bus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But you're right. It's yeah. He's like, yeah, exactly, Tara. It's one of those movies where, like, if you think about it, like, Bob is, like, he's struggling. Like, he's really struggling. And he really needs somebody's help. And his doctor is just like, yeah, just try these couple things. I got vacation to go on. It's just completely blowing him off. <laughs> and Nobody wants like, to work with him. He's trying to get his life together. Nobody wants to work with him. Um, he's so, like, neurotic and all this other stuff. But, like, it, yeah. It was a, I think it was a really good movie. That's a good honorable mention, to be honest yeah. with you. Fracky, long time. Thanks for the super chat. Says Jackie Brown. Yes. <laughs> Jackie Brown was a great homage to those 70s films I was talking about at the beginning of the episode, like uh, Foxy Brown and Coffee. And and that was really sort of, didn't Tarantino do that one too? It's like, I did think he do so. that? I think that it was a that throwback was to those films. Yeah. Um, and Speaking then Tarantino. Pulp oh, I do have one last one. Movie. Pulp Fiction, oh, that was my last one. Yes. Oh, that was. <laughs> so Pulp Fiction was sort of like, I would put that one in the category of The Matrix and Fight Club in that it's one of those films that really changed things in a way in, in the film world. Tarantino broke a lot of rules and did some mm -hmm. unique things that people hadn't seen before and really made this lasting impact where people to this day will refer to that movie and quote it in a way like universally because it was, I think it was so impactful at the time. That's the sense I got from that one anyway. And it was so edgy. Like if you, if you go back and look like um, uh, Samuel Jackson, just cursing up a storm, uh, just, <laughs> you know, just shooting people and, and uh, you know, the, the, them almost getting raped and all, all this other stuff. Um, it, it was, it was edgy. It was edgy and it was memorable and the lines were memorable. Um, that's one of those movies where I watched it later on to appreciate it. So that's why I don't have like the same like nostalgia level for it. But if you were just talking about like great movies from the 90s, it's like straight up great movies. Pulp Fiction would be up there for sure. Yeah, definitely. It did so many things just, I don't know, new. It, it was, it just felt, that's the word I would use for it, very new. Um, Twee Girl says Pulp Fiction is uncomfortable. Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is, I know everyone quotes, everyone's quoting Royale with cheese. One of my favorite lines in that movie is this one, Fungalo Logic, be cool, honey bunny, be cool. That's at the <laughs> end where he's trying to get her not, I think her name's Yolanda or something, he's trying to get her not to shoot everyone in the diner. He's like, be mm -hmm. cool, honey bunny, be cool. Uh so many quotable things in that movie. Okay, I have one honorable mention. This yes. was also in chat, and this is the last thing. This is truly the last thing. What's eating Gilbert Grape? Oh, that's been a long time since I've seen that movie. If yeah. You, if you teared up at Edward Scissorhands, I think you might tear up at that one too. Yeah. No, I've seen it. You know, back in the day, I watched it uh, multiple times. But for whatever reason, 
like I, I know it was, was it Leonardo DiCaprio in it when he was really young? Um, who's, who's uh, um, oh shoot, what's his name? Who's playing Gilbert Grape? Um, Johnny Depp is uh, in it. Johnny Depp, thank you, Johnny Depp. And, I was thinking. Uh, Juliette Lewis and yeah, young, younger Leonardo DiCaprio. And they would probably have, if that movie were made today, they would probably have a problem with the fact that Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio is playing someone who's mentally handicapped. Of course. Yes, that's right. They would There's say, get... Of... <laughs> yeah, get, get, uh, how is that? <laughs> like actors will no longer lose weight for roles. Find someone who's already emaciated to play that role. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, yeah. You, you, they, they have an issue these days. Only when, again, when it's someone that they put that they say is in one of these oppressed groups. You know, if it were a mentally handicapped person playing a person without handicaps, they would be fine with it. But <laughs> if it's going the other way, they're like, no. So they're they're perfectly fine with trans people playing people who are not trans but they're not okay anymore, no longer with you playing a trans person unless you're trans. It's like, it just goes one direction. Um, yeah. Yeah. Man, I, you have me thinking about the 90s and the movies and, and all this stuff. I don't know. I feel like maybe you, you get to a certain age, you're like, remember when times were simpler? And I think that's like yeah. a very nostalgic thing to say, no matter what generation you're at. But like, Artistically looking at 90s movies compared to today, like, what movie have you seen in the past, not even two years, because then we had COVID, in the past four years that were memorable? Adam. <laughs> That's why I'm watching old movies. It's really, Me too. I mean, I mean, do you have one that's that's been memorable to you that in the past few years? Oh, I know. Uh, Joker. Joker, yes. Joker was really, really good. Um, uh, damn it. Uh, someone in the chat help me out because I don't know the, the name of it. It's messing me up. He's a, he was a guy who uh, got into an automotive crash. Some people killed his wife. He gets something implanted in him um, to make him like strong and all this other stuff. Damn it. Why is it? It's escaping my head right now. And this is a recent movie. Recent movie within the past five years. Crash? Somebody says so <laughs> Matt, <laughs> Matt Decker, what is don't help him? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Upgrade. Upgrade. Yes. Upgrade. That's what it was. Upgrade. Thank okay. you. Upgrade. Upgrade was a great movie. Upgrade. That was, okay. That was, yeah, that was a really, really good movie. The, the imagery of it, the soundtrack, um, you know, the acting was good. The storyline was interesting. Like, actually, it reminded me of a 1990s movie. <laughs> like, it was actually, like, uh, some depth to it, and it was a bit edgy. Like, it, it didn't look like, yeah, yeah it is Upgrade, yep. It, it's, um, it didn't look like a movie that was made today. It, it reminded me of a 90s movie. I hadn't even heard of that one. So I'm going to check that one out then if you liked it. Cause yeah, I've, I've just kind of been doing, um, you know, not as many films. We watch if, if, if we watch a movie, we're usually watching an old one. Like we get recommendations on old nineties movies and stuff that we might've missed or ones we haven't seen in a while, or we're watching um, podcasts like, or 
Um, I watch a lot of true crime shows, honestly. So I just haven't yeah, really been do doing too. a lot of movies. Um, Gone Girl, that's actually a good recommendation. That's I, I guess it's not that recent anymore. It's it, That was probably what, around 2011 or 12, maybe. Yeah. The book was excellent. And it's one of those instances where I thought they did a really great job with the movie. Like sometimes they take, you know, a book and then you're, if you really like the book, you, you find yourself disappointed with the film, but not in this case. I thought they did an excellent job. Did yeah, you see it? It? A, it was a, yeah, yeah, I saw it. I saw it once. It was, it was good. Like, mm. you know, it was a good movie. I can't complain about it. Um, someone said Demolition Man. Yes. Oh, oh. there's so many Wesley Snipes movies <laughs> that were actually like pretty entertaining if you go back and watch it. Uh, Demolition Man was was definitely one of them. Um, I just oh, since we're on topic of nineties movies, the best thing outside of comedies in the nineteen nineties were the action movies. Uh, True yeah. Lies, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, you know, we already talked about Terminator Two. Um, like, there's so many like not really great acting, just blow shit up, shoot everything. Uh, like, I remember one particular scene in True Lies where there's like four guys shooting automatic weapons at Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's ducking and then gets up one, two, three, four, <laughs> just takes out the guy. It's it just completely unrealistic <laughs> for whatsoever. But it's one of those things where like, that's why you're watching it. You're watching it because it's not necessarily realistic, but it's just fun to watch. It was entertaining to watch. Um, I miss, I miss like, stupid action movies blow stuff up um like uh oh gone is gone in 60 seconds is one of those one of those really oh good yes they just made a lot of great like you said just action for the sake of action I, yeah uh chris and i were looking at this thing the other night uh a chart of of the box office returns for different genres and mm -hmm. superheroes and specifically so action but specifically superheroes is the only thing that's really doing well right now and yeah. everything else has fallen off and including comedies like wait comedy is doing worse than horror right now which is kind There's of amazing like no comedies that are coming out and no, at least no comedies that are worth watching like man it's i'm hard pressed looking for comedic movies that are actually coming out that are they're actually funny, unless maybe maybe there's something uh, more independent, mm -hmm. and I just don't know about them. But that's the sad part. If that's the case, like we used to have like blockbuster comedies that are coming out. Like Jim Carrey was a huge name. Like we don't have that anymore, um, and I think it's because we don't value humor in movies like we used to. Yeah, and we've killed, they've killed in some ways. <laughs> they've killed you. People's sense of humor, yeah. Uh, Matthew Hammond, thank you for the super chat, says, where are the mentally handicapped on the progressive stack or do they plan on post-birth aborting them? Wow, that's dark. Um, <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> they actually, yeah, they would say that they're oppressed. They would be angry. They would be outraged on their behalf if you had someone like Leonardo DiCaprio play a mentally handicapped person today. I think they absolutely would. Um, but they love to be outraged on other people's behalf, you know. Can I make a, I know we're talking primarily about movies, but uh, 
I've been watching, and I got my wife into watching because she never watched it. I've been watching Mad TV. Um, and let me tell you, Mad TV is probably the most politically incorrect show that came on television, and it's fucking hilarious. The fact that they're like openly make they they had a whole thing where they just made fun of celebrities. It didn't matter who it was, didn't matter the demographic. Um, you know, they they destroyed Whitney Houston and Bobby Brown. They made fun of they made in front of Oprah, <laughs> like just openly on a routine. They made fun of Beyonce. They made fun of everybody. Um, coincidentally, I'm naming all the characters one particular person played, but like they just openly mocked them. Even if they drug habits, they mocked them. They mocked everybody. And the other thing I I noticed was like in one particular season, I can't remember which season it is. It's like season five or six or something like that. The funniest, like the top four of the funniest characters, the funniest actors uh, who played on Mad TV, I think the top three were women. Yes, I believe that they had they had diversity before diversity was cool or required. It was just that's just they did it organically. It wasn't this sort yeah. of look at how diverse we are. They had so many, um, not just not just a lot of women. It was racially diverse. And because of that, they'd made, like you said, they, they had equal opportunity offense towards everyone and they didn't shy away from all this stuff I'm hearing now about, uh, Chris Rock, he shouldn't make fun of a black woman. It's like BS, BS. <laughs> what? Mad, oh, Mad TV made fun of black women all the time. Women are people, black women are people. They deserve, they deserve. And I say in a good way, deserve to also get treated to humor. It's a loving thing to mock and make fun of people in, in some ways um, you know, to portray the, Oprah, you know? Yeah, exactly. The, the, my If my wife is in a bad mood, I will put on, I actually did it the other day. She came home, she was, you know, not in the best of mood. I put on Oprah Winfrey. There's one, uh, there's one skit called The Slimming Camera where she has one camera that makes her look really thin and she's like, make sure I'm on the slimming camera. So, but during the episode, they keep alternating from the slimming to the fat camera. <laughs> and it's it's fucking hilarious. And Oprah's a complete asshole throughout the entire skit. <laughs> um, and she always turns into like this demon. It, it's so it's so funny, and they make fun of her. It, it, I, I love it. Um, but Actually, this was one actually I wanted to bring up because I saw it the other day and I completely forgot they did skits on this. They have a skit about an interracial couple. It was a white woman and a black guy. And the white woman, first off, they like they do this whole thing where it's like ebony and ivory kind of vibe to it, mm -hmm. right? So they talk about them being interracial. But the woman says really racist shit <laughs> in a very subtle way. <laughs> And and he's like completely oblivious to what she is saying, and the one the episode I was watching the other day, like her, his uh, mother was there, and his mother does not like her whatsoever, and like it was something like she's like I'm gonna go to the store, and she's like, well the liquor store is right down the street. <laughs> the mom says that. No, yeah, she's saying that about the mom. Like, automatically oh, just see. went, oh, she's going to the store? She's going to the liquor store. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like she's just saying really politically incorrect, like, 
racist shit, and it's it's fucking hilarious. And they're in an interracial uh, interracial um, uh, couple. So it's just stuff like that that you would never see that happening. Yes. Um, yeah. Adam, once you get through, I need to rewatch my TV. Once you finish your rewatch, I have started rewatching some Living Color bits. And that show also went from jugular. <laughs> jugular. Didn't care about who it was offending, you know. Um, Jim Carrey, who you mentioned before, he played this character named like Johnny Abdul or something. Have you ever seen this character? He put Johnny on brown Abdul. face and he basically <laughs> he did these he did these commercials where he sang it's like all the hits, like my blue suede shoes. But he would, they would say, he's, he sings it all. And then he would just go, I, la, 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 like he would just yell. <laughs> he wasn't singing anything. And, the, and he, it was like this fake infomercial to buy his CD. And there were so many jokes in there about Islam and about uh, uh, Islamic terrorism that you could not do today. In the guys <laughs> wrapped up in this like singer, you know, uh, that, 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 that sketch. And then of course, they had a uh, handyman. Mm -hmm. of, oh yeah. shit! That's right, handyman. Oh, you definitely could not. Do that. <laughs> right. Oh shit. <laughs> oh shit. And you need to go back and watch. There's one episode where they introduce handyman. They're having a meeting of all the superheroes. This is really funny, given what's happened with superhero movies now and, <laughs> and all the woke stuff with the women. They basically the superheroes are meeting and they're they're like talking about how they have to meet these diversity quotas. And they're like, so uh, we're very excited to announce we have our first Jewish superhero and everybody's clapping and they announce all these different, <laughs> like we have an angry black woman and everyone's laughing. <laughs> and, then, and then they introduce Handyman. It's just, oh my gosh. You know, I wish we had something like that today. What was the one um, um, the uh, where they were gay? Damn, I forgot the actual name of the, the oh. skit. Uh, uh, men on film. Men on film. Thank you. Also problematic. Also problematic. I actually saw oh. Damon Wayne's uh, live uh, stand-up. Oh, you did? Was it good? Yeah, this was a couple of years ago, before the pandemic. I saw him. Yeah. Nice. I haven't been to see. I haven't been to see a lot of stand-up since I quit working in comedy a few years ago. I've seen, with the exception of, uh, I saw Chrissy Mayer and the comedians of the compound when they came to Austin. And that was great. Just being, seeing, seeing live comedy again, but also seeing people doing all this sort of taboo stuff that I couldn't even believe. I'm like, how are they getting away with this? <laughs> make completely inappropriate jokes on stage. But yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually saw, um, I saw Chrissy as well. Um, I got to meet her and everything. She's really great oh, person. Where did you get to see her perform? Yeah, I saw her out here. It was a small place in Jersey. Um, oh, cool! And she was like, "Oh, come and see me." Um, coincidentally, I did her podcast, and it was like a couple of days later uh, that I met her. So, very, very nice person. She people like her give me hope because I'm like, you know, she's not bowing and doing the woke stuff. She's doing her own thing. She's doing perfectly fine and building it on her own. And mm -hmm. I think I think there are going to be more people who start to break from woke and and follow the the trailblazers like her and like you know like in TV like uh, Cobra Kai like all these different 
these different uh, entertainment properties and things that are not bending the knee. So anyway, it makes me hopeful. Yeah. I, just refuse, see uh, I, I refuse to call it like, I don't want it to say, like I hear what you're saying, she's kind of trailblazing, but I always don't want to give the book credit. I want to say return to normalcy, right? That's good. Yeah. Like we need to go back to normal. We, we're experimenting with this ultra woke and then, you know, being hypersensitive, uncreative, not edgy. Uh, you got, we just read off the list of movies that just completely flopped. Like, I think to myself, they had meetings about these movies and they're like, yep, uh-huh. <laughs> and it just does terribly. Like anybody could see that coming. Yeah. Um, so like, I, I'm hoping that we have a return to normalcy where we can have some edge. We don't have to be too politically uh, correct. We don't have to, you know, treat black people like the sacred cow. We can make fun of people and do it like on an equal planes. Like not too many people get away with it. Uh, like, you know, South Park still gets away with it. Uh, Family Guy gets away with it. Mm -hmm. So basically animations can get away with it, but that's about they, it. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen, you're making me think of when you talk about them sitting in rooms in meetings and green lighting some of this crap. I've been in those rooms or the, those kind of rooms before where you're pitching and you're, and, and somebody earlier in the chat said she thinks the problem is there's not a lot of creative people in the writing room anymore. It, it was always weird being in a, a room when you're there, you're you're representing the creative people and they're there to pitch to the suits. And I think you're right. I think a lot of times now the creative people are not even that creative if they're being selected because of their gender, their race, or, or something other than just the absolute quality of their work. Then yeah. you've got you've got suits pitching to suits and that's who's making the decisions. And, um, but you made me think of this, you made me think of something more recent. That was funny. Key and Peele. Did you ever watch Key and Peele? Yes. Yes. Okay. That's not in the nineties. That's much more recent. I know it's been off the air for quite a while now, but, but that show was just genuinely funny. There was nothing woke about it. And they had a sketch of a writer's room what it must have been like <laughs> yes. to green light. You know what I'm talking about? Gremlins too. It's Gremlins too. True. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. You Gremlins know, as soon as you started talking about that story about going to the writer's room, that's the first thing I thought of. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, what kind of gremlin do you want? Uh, a vegetable gremlin. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> it will have... Hulk Hogan busted the screen for no apparent reason. Like, oh yeah, that's right. Hulk Hogan did bust the screen. Why? I don't even know why. Yes. Oh my God. Oh my two sisters. You done messed up, A.A. Ron. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we don't even have to watch it. You That was so funny. You can just remember their sketches and crack up. That's good comedy. Um, anyway, okay. That's a good, funny note to leave it on. Uh, thank you for hanging out with me tonight, Adam. We don't go too long on these. We usually do about an hour. We've done an hour and a half. Thanks for oh, hanging shit. out with me this long. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. Um, and, and just remind people where they can follow you online. And I'll drop it in the um, chat as well. Yeah. You can follow me on Twitter. These days, I'm very active on there. At 
uh, wrong underscore speak. Uh, you can go to wrongspeak.net. Uh, you can get my book if you're a book reader. You can go on Amazon, uh, barnesandnoble.com. Or if you don't want to support either of those big corporations and you want to give me more of the profits directly, you can go to wrongspeak.net and uh, purchase a copy on the website. Um, I'm also on Facebook, but it doesn't seem like many people use Facebook that much these days. Um, but you do Facebook. Actually, yeah, you do Facebook. Uh, I'm on Instagram as well, wrong underscore speak. Um, but Twitter is my number one these days. So Everybody go check them out. And also earlier in the chat, I saw people, somebody was saying that they were working up the nerve to reach out to you about writing, writing for possibly writing for wrong speak. Do it. What's the worst that can happen? I don't reach bite. out to Adam. He doesn't bite. If your piece sucks, he'll probably be honest with you and help you fix it. And if it doesn't suck, then it gets published. Just do it. Don't be afraid. Yeah. Like, <laughs> real, real, uh, real talk. Like I've had people where I had to like spruce it up. Like I, I'm taking the role as an editor. So, you know, I've, I have rejected maybe one person because it just sounded like they were, they were a teacher and it sounded like mm -hmm. they were writing a college paper. And that's not what we're going for. But, you know, I work with people. And so the, the point is to get you published, not to discourage you, you know, because I'm trying to encourage people to write. Yes. So I'm still I'm still waiting for Carrie's first piece for Wrong Speak. I know she's a busy lady. I'm going to do I'm I'm very excited. That's what I mean about he'll help you if it's not. So I'm used to writing personal essay, but I'm going to try to do something a little different. And, and thank you, Adam, for being patient with me. Yeah. And the, and the topic doesn't. Doesn't matter of whatever topic uh, anybody wants to write, just reach out to me. Matthew Hammond, I almost forgot it. Thank you for saying something. Gave us a final super chat. Says, do you think all of the creative types went into television in the two thousands? It seems that since the series twenty four got better production values on par with movies. Well, yes, I, I know for a fact a lot of there were a lot of articles at the time talking about how. Uh, uh, film actors were suddenly finding this, you know, this golden time on television and, and previously where you, there, there sort of, there was this uh, hierarchy at film was better than TV and suddenly TV was so good that everyone preferred to be on television instead. So, yeah. so yeah, that definitely happened and, and probably in the writer's room as well. Yeah, I would imagine so. And it, I think that it, it would make sense because, Television expanded, uh, TV channels expanded, access to, access to television expanded. I remember when I was a kid, like cable television was a luxury. That's why I watched freaking Wayne's yeah. World and Sister Act, you know, like a million times on VHS because we couldn't afford cable. So, um, you know, now it's more cost effective. You can watch it online. It's It's very, very easy, accessible, and we have all these streaming services. So... Yeah, it makes sense to me. We only had three channels when I was growing up. So we watched a lot of reruns because one of the channels we had, I don't know why, but they always played I Love Lucy and Andy Griffith's show. And so a lot of <laughs> my childhood television shows are from a different person's generation. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I grew up in the boonies. But uh, but yeah, now there's so many options. That's also why I'm not watching as much television now because you can watch a lot of stuff online. Oh, one last yeah. chat, not a super chat. Hello, Carrie. Royce sent me. 
Hey, Dan, welcome. So this morning I got to be on Voices show uh, from uh, Revenge of the Sis, and that was really cool getting to meet him, and I'm glad you showed up. We're going to have him on to talk about Star Trek sometime with nice. Chris, who loves Star Trek. So anyway, <laughs> thank you, Adam, for hanging out. I hope you have a good rest of your Wednesday night. You as well. Thank you, everybody, for listening to me yap about the 90s. And we're going to end with this. I got to get more smooth in how I do this. Hit it. <laughs>